So, right. so Intrusive R. Tell me, tell me about Intrusive R. Tell us maybe how it's related to linking words in connected speech. If there are any accents that don't do it or do do it in your mm. field of expertise, which is a lot of accents, but I'm particularly thinking of accents in and around the UK. Right. What's interesting to me about Intrusive R is that um, it's basically an R sound that pops up, even though it's not invited to in the writing, right? Mm. So what, I think what we need to do is distinguish intrusive R from linking R, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. they're, they're two different things, right? So um, if you don't mind, I'd like to start with linking R. Please, please. With, with linking R, what that is, this is a phenomenon that exists in accents that are non-rhotic. So accents of, you know, the English language where the R sound is not pronounced unless it is followed immediately by a vowel sound. So we're talking about accents like uh, most English accents in England and also accents in Australia uh, almost all the accents of New Zealand and most accents of South Africa and also a few accents in North America as well, mostly on the, the eastern east coast of the United States. So in those accents, in those non-rhotic accents, what happens is, uh, like I said, the R isn't pronounced if it comes after a vowel and then what comes after it is nothing. Mm -hmm. like a pause, or if a consonant comes after it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, just like in my accent, I said after it. So there's mm -hmm. an example just mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. of a linking R, because mm -hmm. um, usually I would say after mm -hmm. and then it. But mm -hmm. if I put those two words together, we get the linking R, which is after it. Okay. Mm -hmm. so, so that's a linking R. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So we can say that in American English, for example, I'm going to pronounce that R when I'm linking and you guys, well, other, other accents are too, but only if there's a vowel after it. Exactly. That's mm -hmm. right. So in a general American accent, a so-called general American accent, mm -hmm. you would pronounce that R all the time. So mm -hmm. it's always there. But uh, that's right. If it's an accent where the R is only pronounced when it's followed immediately by a vowel sound, then it would just pop up just for that moment mm -hmm. when it's got a word. The next word starts with a vowel sound. It, it appears just before a word mm -hmm. that starts with a vowel sound. And it seems to me like this is the R that is always invited to the party and it never comes. In those other accents, yeah. it never comes to the party. You always invite them, but they never come. And then it seems to me like the intrusive R is the guy you don't invite to the party, but he always shows up. Is that kind of right. how you think of it? <laughs> that's a really great explanation. Yes, <laughs> um, that's right. So where a linking R is basically pretty much silent in most cases, unless it feels the need to come along and link to the vowel, right? Mm -hmm, it's like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to show up just for a split second because mm -hmm. I can't have a, 
a uh sound followed by a ah sound. You can't have a mm-hmm. uh, right? <laughs> um, although there, there is an alternative, right? Yeah. Uh, for many people, they will use a glottal stop instead. Mm-hmm. So instead of mm-hmm. saying after it, where you have the linking R, you might have after it, mm-hmm. right? And so, for example, in South Africa, many South African accents don't have linking R. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't use it. And instead, they'll employ a glottal stop instead and say after it. So, yeah, but that's a great, uh, that, that's a very funny analogy you have where it's somebody who's not invited to the party, but just shows up. Anyway. <laughs> and uh, so now we're talking about intrusive R, mm-hmm. which I think is a great mm-hmm. word because it, it's the intruder, right? Yeah, they weren't, yeah, yeah. they weren't asked to come along. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. They weren't invited. So, um, so this one is where you um, you don't have a letter R there mm-hmm. at all. And, and this is something that um, has always surprised uh, a lot of North Americans because I, I live in Toronto and um, and I've taught English for, for a long time. And so many of my my fellow teachers have said to me, I just taught something about intrusive r from this book that is obviously from the uk and it said that you pronounce it like law and order instead of law <laughs> instead of law and order uh-huh, it's uh-huh. law and order and i'm like yeah and they just looked at me like this cannot be true like what is going on <laughs> you're like yes and and they're like no yeah, you're exactly. kidding me yeah and like, yeah we've been doing it for ages but yeah. um or for ages it uh-huh, was uh-huh, linking because you're linking yeah <laughs> yes um and that's okay because that uh, r is supposed to be there so i don't have any trouble with that but i can see how the other right. person was like wait a minute why are you putting an R in here? There was no R on that word to begin with. So what's behind that then? If In, in your right. speculation, wh- how did that come about, if you have any thoughts? Okay, so I think what, um, well, first of all, I- I'll just explain that uh, just very quickly for anybody who didn't catch that, you know, this is an R sound that turns up even though it's not represented in the writing. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's a, pheno- a phenomenon whereby uh you have uh an r sound that um is inserted uh into the end of a word or actually between words mm. uh which would be a word that ends in a vowel sound right ends in a vowel sound um usually uh that would be either the the central vowel like a uh, or schwa mm-hmm. or it ends in a in a back vowel mm. like r uh, or or right mm-hmm. so a back so a word that ends in the back vowel and then the next word starts with a vowel sound so um this is kind of a it's kind of like a, a an an in it's an overgeneralized reinterpretation <laughs> if you like of linking r uh-huh, so uh-huh, be- uh-huh. because we've always done this linking r ever since we dropped the whole okay you don't need to pronounce the r if it if it's not followed by a vowel right mm-hmm. which you guys most of you guys in north america didn't get that memo um <laughs> and for us it was like okay this is much easier mm-hmm. we, you know this is one less uh phoneme we need to pronounce yeah, yeah. uh and so um so we still had the linking r but this is a this is one where an r sound 
pops up to link between otherwise really awkward sounds that, mm-hmm. that would be next to each other. Combinations so, example, that might otherwise be more difficult, right? So so that R is, it can yeah. be quite helpful. So I can see why, number one, it was kept, right? You've got a vowel and then a word that ends in a vowel and R. And then the next word begins with an, a vowel. Hey, that's helpful, right? I can, I can link that through. I don't have to glide through two to four vowels. I don't have to end up doing that because the R can be kind of like a, like a spacer, right? It can help me out with that. So it makes sense how, hey, this R is pretty handy. I think we'll stick it in here too, right? To make those those yeah. vowel gliding things easier. Is that what you're yeah. going so for? So for example, mm-hmm. yeah, because otherwise you're going from, uh, for example, law, and then the next word, and, uh-huh. law and, or law and order. Uh-huh. Um, and another one would be, I don't know, let's say we're talking about two people, one's called Amelia, and the other one's called Tom or whatever. So they'd say <laughs> Amelia, Amelia and Tom, right? Uh-huh, Instead uh-huh. of Amelia and Tom, right? <laughs> you can have uh, and uh, it doesn't fit the politics of, uh-huh. of English. So, and God forbid you're not reducing that that and to un, at least in American English, right? We're going to be like eh, and. So law, law, and. Imagine you're not even reducing that. That's a far distance to go. And wouldn't it just be easier to stick something in there and make it, give it a little cushion? Right, exactly. So, I mean, it, but, you know, this is only something that tends to happen in in non-rotic accents, you know? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. and I know it, there's there's another thing as well um, that is called, um, I think it's called over-rotisization. Ah, oh, hyper, hyper-rotisization. Oh. So what that is, is when somebody um, puts in a, a letter R at the end of a word that doesn't actually have an R at the end. Mm. So an example of this you could find in... Uh, Mr. Fauci's uh, accent. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. um, Fauci is from New York. He's an older speaker from uh, somewhere in in New York State, from the the city of New York, uh, which is traditionally a non-rotic accent. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so um, if you listen to some of the words he says, he'll put... Uh, an R sound where there isn't one. So uh, because in his own accent, there wouldn't normally be a letter R. It, it's a non-rotic accent. But then sometimes he hyperoticizes or puts mm-hmm. an R in where there isn't one as a kind of correction. And regardless of if there's a vowel in the next word, correct? So that could be a, a yeah. word that ends in a vowel. And then let's say a period or a comma or some kind of pause. And or as no he might say, comma... <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and he wouldn't say the word "or" after it. He wouldn't be. He wouldn't be. In, he wouldn't be using that intrusive "r" to, in a way, to link them. Even though there's no "r," he would do that even if there is no need. Let's say as a linking tool. Correct. As some people, yeah, might mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. I have a question for you. Going back to law and order, law and order. So we said, okay, especially if you're starting with a back vowel. Right, then you might be going to a center vowel or a front vowel. Maybe there isn't evidence of this, but do you feel like an intrusive R might be more necessary if you're going from back all the way to front 
or do you find it's maybe more common from back to center? Do you have any thoughts about that or going front to center, front to back? I think I think that really the way it works is that it just tends to be if the last vowel is a back vowel or a center vowel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it doesn't matter what the vowel sound is that the next word starts with. Okay, um, okay. It just has to be either the the, sh- the schwa sound mm-hmm, that it ends mm-hmm, with, like mm-hmm. comma, mm-hmm. Um, or it can be, it, it would tend to be, a, you know, a, a back sound like or or yep. ah. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, that's when it would pop up. It doesn't it matter if it's it. a... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because mm-hmm. if it's... um. Uh, if it's if it's the vowel e, uh, yeah. the fleece vowel, mm-hmm. then um, it it doesn't really do anything. So mm-hmm. if I said me and you, or mm-hmm. me and you, or mm-hmm. me or you, yeah. then we would have that glide, the y glide, that the, the okay. yard would okay. appear in, instead. Ah, that was that was what i was wondering i was wondering if like let's say direction mattered if i was going back to front or front to back and it it seems like it does right so it seems like if i'm ending a word (laughs) with a front vowel i'm probably not going to get an intrusive r would that summarize it do you think yeah 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 exactly Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. ah excellent and what are the what other things do you find interesting about either intrusive R or linking R or maybe R's in general, you know, in the in the varying accents. Yeah, I think I think it's amazing that you can see how there's this split between accents that are rhotic and non-rhotic. And the the line is not as simple as just drawing it through the the Atlantic, because like mm. I said earlier, a lot of East Coast accents, especially for older speakers, those are non-rhotic. Um, mm-hmm. And so the line you could draw between them sort of goes down between um, Northeast the United States and Canada. And then it goes down sort of the Appalachians mm-hmm. and then sort of cross over to Texas. Mm-hmm. And those regions where they're non-rhotic, it those regions are becoming smaller and smaller and smaller. So mm. people are tending to go towards accents where they're, they're just pronouncing the R. The R is, uh, in North America, that is, um, those R pronouncing accents mm-hmm. have become more prestigious. Whereas mm. it's the opposite, it's the opposite way in in England. Ah. I won't say the A so much, but uh-huh. throughout England, um, the R pronouncing regions uh, at one time, like a hundred years ago, um, those were, uh, you know, as far, they weren't that far, far west of uh, the West Midlands and London. Um, and it was most of the West of England that pronounced their R's and, and a lot of places in the South of England. But now, oh, and there was a, a fairly large area around Lancashire. But nowadays, mm-hmm. um, is a, the only places that pronounce their R's are mostly traditional speakers uh, down in the southwest around Bristol, really mm-hmm. far away from Birmingham and London, and a mm-hmm. tiny area um, in just part of Lancashire. And so what that says is that the R-pronouncing areas are becoming, they're less prestigious mm-hmm. because in R, of course, that is non-rhotic. You don't pronounce your R. So it's like two opposite directions yeah. that you know, either side of the channel, um, 
that 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 is happening. So um, and that so gulf that is, is widening. It sounds like it sounds like not only is it a dividing thing, but that the feelings are maybe getting stronger as time goes on. In the North American side, you're 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 on the R team, and on the European side, you're more on the the non-rhotic team, and you're very strongly supporting that team, and they're more, it's more aspirational than to either do or not do that thing. What about in other yeah. areas? Like you mentioned in Australia, New Zealand, any of those other places, perhaps India. I don't know, I don't know anything about other other accents and how they feel about that roticity if they're feeling more aspirational or, or less aspirational. Yeah. When we're talking about Australia, New Zealand and Anglo South Africa, um, because the the people that went out there or not all of the people, but the majority of people, I guess, or the ones who, uh, the ones who went out there to to colonize those parts of the world, their descendants, because it, it's really the most important thing, aren't the people that went out there so much, but their descendants, their kids that that got together, and what kind of mishmash came out of that. They tended to, to all be non-rhotic, uh, almost all, because there is a small mm-hmm. area in part of the South Island of New Zealand where it is. Uh, unusually uh, rhotic. So, um, but the vast majority of people, yeah, that they're non-rhotic. So, um, because most of the populations that went out there were mainly from the the southeast of England, Mm -hmm. which was by Mm -hmm. the time that they were going out there in the the late 1700s, early 1800s, were already majorly non-rotic anyway mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. why would they pick it up very... yeah it doesn't make any sense that they yeah. would just spontaneously say oh well let's there's an r here let's start talking about these r's yeah that makes that makes yeah. perfect sense mm-hmm. yeah i mean when we're talking about the uk we're only talking about england where mm. the uh you know non-rotic accents are the are, are mm-hmm. the majority ones the mm-hmm. ones that are kind of crowding out the r are pronouncing ones because north of the border in Scotland, the majority of people are rhotic. The majority, mm-hmm. um, but uh, there there seems to be a slight trend in the younger speakers to become less rhotic. But this this might be considered like a separate thing. I don't think they're being influenced by RP mm-hmm. in this case. Mm-hmm. And it may be a short lived. So it's yeah. hard. It's something. It's one to watch. Um, <laughs> yes. Wait but, and see. <laughs> Yeah. We'll see what happens to R's in the future. Yes. We'll keep yeah. an eye on those R's. Yes. But the truth is that at one time, like if you go back to Shakespeare's time, everybody pretty much pronounced their R's. Mm. So, you know, uh, non-rotic accents are, um, on the greatest scheme of things, they're they're the new kids on the block. Mm-hmm. And so I could just say that people in uh, North America are just old fashioned. <laughs> happens with so many things right when you get this like linguistic kind of isolation or especially geographic you get this isolation you know you're kind of stuck in time in that way and there's certain things that there's features that persist simply because you just don't have contact with that anymore and there's no reason no reason for you to change otherwise exactly yeah i'm sure there's a, there's probably a name for this some kind of scientific name but it's a mm-hmm. uh, yeah a phenomenon where you have uh colonizers and yeah. the ones that uh, that go out there and live in those colonies tend mm-hmm. to keep the old-fashioned ways, and and back in the in the motherland in the hub, mm-hmm. things change at a, a faster pace. So mm-hmm. this is pretty much what's happened linguistically in uh, in the English-speaking world, where you know the original place where English uh, kind of percolated, if you like, England. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, things have moved on a lot faster, and there are mm-hmm. lots more 
accents there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you see, you, you see the similar phenomenon with colonizing countries that colonized other places in the past. And you can see that even though they spoke the same language, you know, there's a, there's a vast difference. There's that linguistic drift. And I feel like what we're describing now is almost like um, an anti-linguistic drift or a consequence of that. I'm sure there's got to be a word there, but I don't know it right now. <laughs> well, I mean, that the, that's the other thing to do with uh, empire in a way is that, um, you know, the, the attitude that, you know, there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. Mm. That the, mm. the way of the empire, the, the central unit is this is how people should sound, right? Mm-hmm. This is how people should behave. And um, which is kind of sad in a way because it sort of like kills off the the variety of accents and mm. cultures. Mm. And so this is something that's very strong in the United States, especially where yeah. people are tending towards, oh, I need to sound general american or yeah, i need yeah. to sound like i don't have an accent that's mm-hmm. another one because because <laughs> um, yeah and, a lot of people don't have an accent it's this it's this power it's this prestige it's control sometimes and i think sometimes we think that's a thing of the past but we we're all still kind of we're not immune to the idea of of like i think this is better so i want that thing right i, I have this prejudice i have this bias and yeah. i want to make some changes because of course why wouldn't i want to be part of the the ruling class or you know get that better job yeah. or something like that it's, it just seems to be seems exactly. to be human nature but sometimes taken at an extreme there are also pressures from accent bias as well right mm-hmm. so wherever you live whatever language you speak there's always going to be you know positive and negative bias Mm -hmm. uh, to different parts, different ways of speaking. Mm -hmm. Because we're always comparing ourselves to to those around us. And we usually speak like we speak like those in our closest circle, but we're, we're still constantly often comparing ourselves. Yeah. So that leads me to a question then. What do you think is driving this change that we mentioned about this, this kind of gulf between, let's say, roticity getting stronger or more desirable in in North America versus non-roticity becoming more of an aspirational thing. What do you think is, is causing that? Um, that really, I think, is down to what is considered a prestige and what is, you know, because the, the prestige ideas, the concepts of what is prestigious, what is, I know, what some people might call correct mm. um, in those certain places are, those are very different right Mm -hmm. so um and of course attached to this also is the the concept of identity so if you know identity is important for all of us Mm -hmm. and so for me my identity is kind of split not split personality as they used to call it but it (laughs) it, it, um, i mean i i grew up in england and moved out to canada uh, 20 years ago. So mm-hmm. I'm surrounded by people, or I should say we, my wife and I are surrounded by people, including our children, mm-hmm. who speak with Canadian accents. All mm-hmm. our children speak with erotic Torontonian accent, right? Mm-hmm. So um, so that is something that that affects you and your accent. And different people's accents change at different rates, right? So mm-hmm. I mean, I sound more Canadian than, than my wife does, but we left England at exactly the same, the same time. time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And um, so that is one to do with identity. 
right? So that's why my accent is so inconsistent and all over the place. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's rhotic and sometimes it isn't. It you know it's mm-hmm. fairly random. Mm-hmm. And um, but when you're when you're living in a speech community, then you obviously your identity is pretty much tied to where you are and and how you see yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why they're different. Um, yeah. So then. Of course, if you if you start sounding more like a group that you know you're not that you you're not a part of, then you're considered an outsider. Mm-hmm. So you know, or there's going to be there's some strange reason why are you yeah. affecting an accent that is not us? Yes. You know, so and are that. you affecting it's, it's, it, or is it? Are you being affected essentially? Right? right maybe exactly. you are going out with yeah. your your Canadian friends who you've known these 20 years. And maybe if you, if you were to clock it, maybe more R's would slip out on that day, right? right? Versus where you were talking to, I don't know, family on a Skype back home, you could probably yeah. clock the same words, but very few R's that might slip out, right? That's, exactly. that's, that's my yeah. guess. Yeah. So in-grouping and out-grouping, that's a big function of language is to be a part of the group or say, mm, not for me, you know? And yeah, it makes, it makes sense. And I'm sure a lot of people have, let's say a similar split in maybe not even a split in identity, but allegiance perhaps. And there might be some guilt there. You get people who move from one place to another. And then also they have children and they're thinking, you know, do I, do I preserve this? Do I adopt new ways? What's a good, what's a good balance? How do I feel about it? How is it seen? It's, it's just a really complex issue. Yes. Um, and I might add that it's never a good idea to try and preserve your children mm-hmm. in terms of like you know telling them this is the right way to say things or this mm. is the right way to pronounce them because you're gonna fail <laughs> <laughs> they, because kids don't grow up sounding none of us grow up sounding like our parents the mm. only reason that we would do that is if we're staying if we're in the same place but then of course mm. accents change over time mm-hmm. um so yeah, you, it, there's always going to be that difference generation-wise anyway, whether mm. you're staying in the same place or not. But um, yeah. And good, that's healthy. That's like good that things yeah. do not stand still, that, that you know, time time is not frozen. I feel like the only time that that might happen is in some very undesirable circumstance, right? Some kind of abusive relationship where, you know, the, the, the child was kept so isolated that they didn't have the input of, of other people and that that's not something anybody wants well i think they did that once didn't they where i, I think there was something like back in i don't know was it the 1400s they yeah. they did an experiment because at the time i mean we're talking like hundreds of years ago mm. there was the belief there was a belief that the original language was uh hebrew they, mm-hmm. they had this idea that um, mm-hmm. everybody originally spoke Hebrew and then all other languages kind of developed out of that. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're talking yeah, yeah. about a time when, you know, every every single aspect of your life was, you know, basically based. In, yeah, um, all your theories have to, oh yeah, all the theories yeah. have to come from there and make sense from there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, so what they did, uh, allegedly, I mean, I don't know, there, there, there's no actual, I mean, that somebody wrote about it. I don't know how true it is or how apocryphal, but apparently they did have this uh, experiment where they isolated the child to see if, you know, so that nobody spoke to them mm-hmm, and nobody mm-hmm. could 
communicating with them, which sounds like a really bad idea. Yeah, and it's and, completely uh, un- unallowable today, yes. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. complete, absolutely child abuse. But yeah. um, the idea was to see if they uh, if they ended up speaking Hebrew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it just seems it's just, so just going to come out, today. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's what happens, but, yeah. It, it just, you're spontaneously preset. Your default is Hebrew. And so if we just leave you alone, you'll definitely speak Hebrew. Wow, Un- unthinkable. The unthinkable exper- <laughs> experiments, right? Wow, so, so scary how those things come about. And speaking of speaking of religion, there have you ever read this book called Cultish by Amanda Montel? I don't think oh, you have. Oh, it's great. You should read it. It's it's very much about how language is a tool of power to keep control over people. And and especially you can you can picture in religious cults, right? How how that power is necessary. And so when you when you mentioned that earlier, I thought, oh yeah, I bet I could see in that situation where there's in-grouping and out-grouping, right? We say this, so you need to speak like this, and that could very much include the, your actual pronunciation, not just the words you choose or the tone you use with members of your group, but also like which sounds you make because, yeah, that's a very small isolated group and it's trying to be isolating on purpose. Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure you also have heard of uh, certain twins that um, in many cases uh create their own language ah, yes, uh, between yes, them twin languages uh-huh. so that they can communicate just between themselves mm-hmm. um i mean it, it's not like they sit down and you know with a book and say okay well, this word means that and mm-hmm. that one means this but they actually naturally grow yep. up together speaking a language that excludes mm-hmm. all others mm-hmm. outside of just the two of them which yeah. is another Exactly. They don't set out to do that. They don't say, okay, today's the day we make our twin dictionary. But it it just (laughs) develops like that. And and you you can widen that, I think, too, to, you know, your best friends, to even as you're older, like the people that you spend the most time with. And I feel like it's it's natural for us to to say, hey, this is this is us. And those other guys can do whatever they want, but this is this is what we're going to do. I don't even know what they're doing over there, but this is what we're doing, and this is part of our identity. So when you move from one group to the other one, I can see how it's very shocking, you know, to your identity, and you might not know what to do with that because there's no handbook, you know, there's no rule book. And, about and that. that's also known as slang, as well, <laughs> because a lot of people, people often say that well, slang are these informal words, you know, mm. but. Sorry, if they're in the dictionary, they're not slang anymore. They're mm-hmm. informal mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. slang is that kind of language that is used or the usage of words um, that is only used within a closed group and yep. are more markers of identity of being a part of that group as, you know, excluding all of every all the others outside mm-hmm. of the group. By the time it's in the dictionary, you're, you're too late, right? If I have to, because yeah. I'm, I feel like an old lady sometimes and I don't know what, what the kids are saying these days and and i'll hear something and i'll be like hmm, maybe i'll look that up and i and i look it up and it's there and just the fact that it's there makes me feel old right <laughs> if something's not there then i can ask right and I, I still don't feel great about that but if it's in the dictionary i'm too late i'm way too late to the party you know <laughs> yeah i 
Unless it's Urban Dictionary, but then, yeah, it's <laughs> a rabbit hole you might not want to go down. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Speaking of lack of moderation, right? Yeah, yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> but on the other hand, I often get answers I'm looking for pretty quickly, or I get an idea, <laughs> at least, yeah. <laughs> it can be helpful in its own way. It has, it has a place in the world, I think. And, bes- and besides that, I know we've, we're straying very far from the topic, but is there is there anything else that you want to add about rhotic versus non-rhotic, and maybe how you have changed over time or things that you've just noticed and 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 f- felt and had reactions about because we're not immune to those things as we say yeah i mean if i i can speak from a personal point of view in that my accent has changed several times um throughout my long life mm-hmm. um i mean i grew up in birmingham which is a, a non-rhotic accent and then um, I moved to the southeast of England, which again is all non-rhotic. But then I moved to Bristol, and I lived there for about six years. So then my accent became slightly more rhotic, especially when I was talking to people from Bristol. And that again is a natural thing that you tend to start to sound like the people that you like and mm-hmm. the people that you hang out with. So I started to sometimes pronounce my R's at times, and mm. then I moved out from Bristol and then um, back to London and those R's disappeared very quickly and you know I moved out to uh, Canada and those R's slip in quite a lot because mm. you know again mm-hmm. I'm surrounded by a rotating accent so um, I don't really feel anything about pronouncing them but mm. I can tell you that um, and th- this is true for a lot of people that are expats that have moved to a different speech community, especially overseas. When you do hear yourself back in a recording, as I might do if I watch this, yeah. um, then sometimes you feel uh, you feel a little bit. I know this is really seems really weird, but sometimes you feel a bit disappointed in yourself. Oh, um, you kind of let yourself sort of slip in a way, or that you sound fake. Uh-huh. So. Um, this yeah it, it it's kind of it's a weird phenomenon that mm-hmm. people uh i read a paper on it and a lot yeah. of other people were saying yeah. the same things mm-hmm. they felt that they were being fake even though they weren't trying to be and mm. i think it's just a part of not realizing that this is something that has happened to your accent naturally mm-hmm. um and that you haven't caused it to happen but it's yeah. something that um you know things you've you've picked up mm-hmm. um and it's more likely to happen to to people who are a bit more um uh, speech empathetic right uh, so yes, they're more yes. like helping other people mm-hmm. uh how not 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 mimicking them in a in a mocking way no, but, but... To, to sometimes match the same kind of speech patterns as the mm-hmm. person they're talking to. so mm-hmm. there are a lot of people too and that's interesting to me too because we hear our voices inside of our own heads bouncing around in our skulls so often but most people don't hear recordings of themselves and particularly they don't have a before and after recording so they're really only aware of how they sound inside their heads and how other people might respond or or treat them or comment on them too And, and so it's funny to me that you said that you had that that feeling because i was actually going to ask you if when you moved to Canada and you had kids and maybe your kids' friends, they came over, did did they give you compliments on the other side of the spectrum? Did they say, oh, I love your accent? And and, and what did you say to that if that ever happened? Um, I don't 
think, uh, well, I guess Toronto is a little bit different from mm. many other places in Canada and throughout North America. I think it probably would be on the same sort of level as other big cities like mm. Chicago, New York, or whatever, mm-hmm. where it's unlikely that you would get somebody say something mm. like, oh, I, I love your accent, or oh, what an interesting accent. Like, mm-hmm. Because in big cities, people just, they hear different accents all the time, and it's not a, it's not a big deal, right? Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Um, but if you, if you go to uh, a place where you know smaller populations then you're probably going to get that it's like oh you Mm -hmm. have an accent i remember Mm -hmm. going to a small town in ontario once and and this woman saying oh you have an accent and i said well (laughs) yeah so do you (laughs) just like oh no no i don't have an accent i haven't moved out of aurora since (laughs) i was 20 i'm like Yeah, you've got an accent. And yet you speak and your mouth is open and you're making noises. And so you have an accent because everybody has an accent. Yes. And so, and so, yeah, I think that that's a really good story because I I was, I was forgetting that, that Toronto is so cosmopolitan. So maybe you wouldn't get those comments, right? But if you moved to a small place, probably you would get those comments. And how how do you deal with those? Sometimes I have, um, I have, I have kind of mixed feelings, right? When somebody thinks they're giving you some kind of compliment, then, yeah. and you're thinking, well, it's not really a compliment, but you don't yeah. know that. And I don't want to insult your Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and I have to say, um, I have to admit, I've been guilty of doing the same thing because, you know, as a, as an accent coach, uh, I, you know, and, and just like you, you as well, probably you have done this where you've been thinking, that's a really interesting accent. And you're thinking, I want to know where you're from mm. or, or it might be a challenge for yourself where you're thinking, I, I'm going to see if I can work out where you're from yeah. and then yeah, guess yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Love it. Right? For mm-hmm. me, it's like a challenge, but mm-hmm. I've had to really tone that down because when I first moved out here and, you know, in Toronto, there's people from so many different parts of the world and so many different accents, really interesting ones. And um, at first I, I used to say, oh, so where are you from? Mm. And I would sometimes get some strange looks, like they'd look at me like, what's your game here? And <laughs> at first I didn't realize, um, yeah. I don't know, maybe part of being neurodiverse, I don't know. But um, mm-hmm. I didn't realize at first, like, what, why they were so put out by mm. me asking this question. And, and then after a while, I realized that that question can also be intended by some people as a statement, yep. which is like, oh, you're not one of us. Mm. Um so mm-hmm. who are your people? Yeah. And I didn't realize it for, for quite a while until, you know, the penny dropped, you know, <laughs> and it clicked and it's like, uh-oh. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like I'm exercising a privilege, which is like, you're not one of mm-hmm. us, right? Whoever that might be. You're yeah. not, um, you don't have the, the privilege of having grown up speaking English as a first language. Mm-hmm. And so you have mm-hmm. an exotic sound. right, right. right. And so, and I'm you know, and I'm not, maybe not even judging you, but I'm studying you, and therefore, you know, I'm I'm kind of as the as the anthropologist, I'm studying you, and therefore that makes me more important, you know, I'm more intelligent, and it has a superiority aspect to it. Sometimes you're not just saying where are so, you from, you're saying yeah. what are you doing here? What yeah. do you think you're doing here? Yeah, and so like now I've come to understand that um, when you know certain people have probably been asked that question. Mm-hmm 
more often than I have. Mm. And uh, coming from a, a, a degree of, of privilege where I'm a white cis male middle mm-hmm. class mm-hmm. in a in a place where you know we're kind of a majority. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody asks me, "Oh, where's your accent from?" I don't think, "Okay, they're telling me that I'm an outsider." I mean, mm-hmm. I know I'm 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 not an outsider. Like mm-hmm. this is my home now, mm-hmm. and sure, I sound a bit different, and I'm okay with that. But imagine if you're somebody that's been discriminated against for a yeah. long time, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and then you know, including their accent as a part of that, and mm-hmm. then that question can be part of a statement that they're tired of hearing. So yeah, it can be I very triggering to... too, right? It can be something that like you have some maybe even trauma associated with like that, whatever your experiences were, we carry them with us and other people don't know that, you know, and, and it could just be somebody wants to make friends and they're curious about where you're from, right? Maybe they notice something or maybe not. And maybe they just want to, you know, get to know you a little bit better. So you can, you can get both, but you never know, right? When you, you just never know. Yeah. And maybe because of your experience, you always expect the worst, you know, and that's sad. But I think, I think that happens a lot. To me, it happens because here I am like cis white girl living in Mexico and in Spanish, I can't get through the day without somebody asking me where I'm from. <laughs> and and I, I don't necessarily take offense. I know that they're curious. But also after I tell them how long I've been here, I've been here about six years, then then they, they, they stop the conversation. Because it's, I don't know why, it's almost like they want me to have just arrived. They want me to be a novelty. But once... Once I tell them, hey, I live here too, just like you, they often just stop the line of questioning, right? right. Yeah, and to me that, that signals something as well. And, oh, and spe- speaking, of, <laughs> speaking of all the different, let's say, all the different encounters that we have, I hear you have a course that's coming up. And could you tell us a little bit about, about that? Because I find it very interesting what you're offering. Yeah, sure. So... Um... I'm offering a course which it's called uh, 5FF, um, and the, the, that stands for Five Fridays to Fluency. Ah. Um, what that means is um, each one of them is about a particular accent. So it's designed for mainly actors who mm-hmm. want to be, who want to sound like, you know, they want to improve a particular accent for mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. work. Um, and so this first one is for the Australian accent, or I should say accents, because there are some slight mm-hmm. variations for sure, for in sure. Australia. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's uh, it's called Five Fridays to Fluency. So it's a couple of hours every Friday. Um, and uh, we do a deep dive. It's like a two hour class. You can add Anyone an F do- to that. Five fabulous <laughs> or fantastic. Exactly. I could put extra X in there, but that would be swearing. If anybody's interested, like if there are any actors out there that are interested in, in brushing up on their Australian, you can just go get more information at talklikethat.com slash 5FF. And that's Perfect. lowercase x. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll add that link to the show notes. Um, would that be open to voiceover artists as well or is it more appropriate oh, for yeah. actors well, on voice stage over artists, voiceover artists are actors too so mm-hmm. um a lot of my clients are voiceover artists some are stage actors some are mm-hmm. film actors and tv and uh, a lot of them are voiceover artists mm-hmm. so um yeah it's open to pretty much any actors and it, it's not just for actors who speak english as their first language because as far as i'm concerned um it doesn't matter 
what your first language is, as long、mm-hmm. as you can speak English fluently.、Mm-hmm. Um, everybody is moving to a different accent, whether their first accent's a native one or or not. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.、Um, but it, it is designed for actors who are、uh, committed to、um, learning the process of acquiring a different accent for their work.、Mm-hmm. And those skills are going to be transferable. And you said the first one, so I'm I'm guessing that you're going to have multiple courses for different accents.、Um, yes. So this first one is for Australian.、Uh, the second one,、um, in I guess in six weeks' time, will be French. So、mm. we're going to do a French accent.、Um, when I say that, I mean different people from France are. Have slightly different accents because there are so、mm-hmm. many different features that、mm-hmm. that French accent could be. So yeah,、mm-hmm. so we'll be looking at French, and then I haven't decided what's coming after that yet. Be fun. Excellent, <laughs> very good. And I, I, didn't, I can't remember where we met. I think we met on Instagram, but we've also seen each other a few times on Clubhouse. Are you still doing Clubhouse? Yeah, I still pop in there occasionally. Accent analysts anomalous. Ah、yeah. yes, I knew it was something fabulous like that. You always have the best names for things, <laughs> and I just and I love also your social media on Instagram. I just think you have the best reels of anybody. I just love your creativity. I love your well, I don't know you. yeah. I love I love your how, your view、you. on things. Yeah, I really think it's great, and I loved I love talking to you every time we get a chance, and I hope we can do it again soon. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah,、Excellent. yeah. It's always it, it's always interesting. We always go to to. Interesting places and end up talking about something I had no idea was going <laughs> to. Yes,、so. meandering down and finding our way back. Yeah. yeah, that's why. That's why I like that. I like talking to people who who enjoy that style of conversation too. So we'll have to plan again soon another another time to talk. And thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, no worries. All right, catch you、okay. soon. Thanks a lot, Mark. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.